and welcome to The Turbulent World with me, James M. Dorsey, as your host. The stakes in the Gaza war for the United States and President Joe Biden could not be higher. For the United States, it's the ability to garner support for its positions on multiple issues, among which the Ukraine war looms large. Mr. Biden's bear hug approach towards Israel has sparked widespread allegations of hypocrisy and double standards. Neither the United States, nor Europe for that matter, has a credible response to calls to apply to the Gaza war the same standards of international humanitarian law and the law of war they uphold for Ukraine. We are losing the battle for hearts and minds in the global south. Whatever credibility and moral ground we had is gone. Phrases like a rules-based world order are meaningless. At this point, we can stand on our heads. It does not matter. Why should the global south take our insistence on universal human rights and international law serious if we are the first to cast them by the wayside, a Western diplomat asked. In a more hopeful note, The Economist suggested that America still has a lot of to offer, especially if it works with its allies to enhance security and keep trade open. Its values however imperfectly they are realized, still attract people from all across the planet in a way that Chinese communism does not. Last week's United Nations General Assembly vote in favor of a resolution calling for an immediate, durable, and sustained humanitarian truth leading to a ceasefire of hostilities in Gaza tells the story. The language was designed to accommodate the U.S.'s refusal to call for a ceasefire, insisting instead on phrases such as humanitarian pause or humanitarian corridors. Speaking on CBS's Face the Nation, U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan insisted a humanitarian pause would be a good thing to get hostages out, but you can bet that Hamas will try to use that time to their advantage as well. These are the things that Israel was trying to grapple with. At the same time, Mr. Sullivan added that Hamas's alleged use of civilians as human shields does not lessen Israel's responsibility to distinguish between terrorists and innocent civilians and to protect the lives of innocent civilians as they conduct this military operation. That's true of striking from the air, it's true of going in on the ground. The U.S. official went on to say that under humanitarian law, hospitals should not be targeted. They are not military targets. In a separate interview on ABC's This Week, Mr. Sullivan acknowledged that thousands of innocent Palestinians have been killed in Israeli airstrikes, but stopped short of saying that their deaths violated international law. There have been deaths of thousands of Palestinian civilians in this conflict, and that is an absolute tragedy. Those people did not deserve to die. Those people deserve to live lives of peace and sanctity and dignity, Mr. Sullivan said. Earlier, Mr. Biden called into doubt Palestinian casualty figures 
provided by Gaza's Hamas-controlled health ministry. Palestinian analysts charge that the United States may be complicit in Israeli violations of international law by aiding and abetting Israel's indiscriminate bombing. As Mr. Sullivan spoke, the Palestinian Red Crescent Society said it had received warnings from Israeli authorities to immediately evacuate Al-Quds Hospital in the Gaza Strip. Journalists reporting from Gaza said the hospital hosts hundreds of injured patients and some 12,000 displaced persons. Israeli airstrikes hit areas near Al-Quds, as well as Gaza City's Al-Shifa Hospital. Video posted by the Society on X showed people in Al-Quds covering their mouths inside the smoke-filled building. Israel asserts that Hamas uses hospitals as command centers and to camouflage its underground tunnel network. The UN resolution was adopted despite U.S. objections that it failed to condemn Hamas by name for its wanton killing of more than 1,400 mostly civilian Israelis during its October 7 attack. The U.S. also wanted the resolution to label 239 people, mostly civilians, kidnapped during the Hamas assault as hostages rather than captives. The U.S. further refused the resolution because it did not recognize Israel's right to self-defense. This week, Yahya Sinwar, the Hamas Gaza leader, proposed an immediate exchange of hostages for the estimated 6,600 Palestinians in Israeli prisons. Hamas claims 50 hostages have been killed in Israeli airstrikes. To be fair, those in favor of the UN resolution and those who voted against it all have mud on their faces by prioritizing the scoring of political points above the saving of innocent lives. For the United States and much of Europe, the problem, with heartbreaking scenes of the Gaza carnage dominating images of the war, is that the mud sticks because of perceptions of hypocrisy and double standards. The perceptions are reinforced by a lack of equitable empathy for Palestinians compared to what Mr. Biden and other Western leaders have to say about Israeli casualties. To be sure, the global South, including the Arab and Muslim world, has no good options in the Gaza war. The United States is the only power with true leverage in Jerusalem. Even so, Mr. Biden does not have total freedom. Irrespective of whether he wants to compel Israel to abide by international law, he is hemmed in by domestic political constraints. Republican Mike Johnson's introduction of a bill in Congress supporting Israel that was adopted with an overwhelming majority as his first act of spe as Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives demonstrates domestic restraints on Mr. Biden in the run-up to next year's presidential election. The bill highlighted a gap between Congress and public opinion that is far more divided, with thousands on the streets of cities in the United States and across the globe marching against the war. In addition, Israeli hostages' families have demanded that Israel make the release of the captives a priority, 
above destroying Hamas. The protests are reminiscent of mass demonstrations in 2003 against the U.S.-led invasion of Iraq. Those protests didn't stop the hostilities, but shaped public opinion and the careers of political leaders. In the cacophony of voices, Mr. Biden's subtle hints at behind-the-scenes pressure on Israel to limit the war and abide by international law are lost. It was not immediately clear whether Israel's so far limited ground offensive was the result of U.S. pressure or the first phase of a full-scale invasion of the Gaza Strip. What U.S. pressure did not do was persuade Israel to halt its indiscriminate bombing of the territory. Moreover, the sincerity and forcefulness of Mr. Biden's approach is called into question by his demonstrated ability to apply pressure that Israel cannot ignore when he wants to. Mr. Biden made that clear this week when his administration threatened to halt arms supplies if they are distributed to Israeli civilians at political events. The threat was sparked by photos on social media of ultra-nationalist National Security Minister Itamar Ben-Gvir handing out guns at a political event to civilian community security squads in Bnei Brak and Elad, two towns dominated by Israel's religious far-right. In response to the U.S. threat, Israel promised that weapons would be distributed only by the police and the military to auxiliary forces created since the October 7 Hamas attack and supervised by the military and the police. The threat does nothing to change things on the ground in Gaza, but suggests that the United States has leverage to influence Israel's conduct of the war. In a further demonstration of its influence, a U.S. official said Israel had restored Gaza's internet under U.S. pressure. Israel shut off telecommunications and the internet as it launched its ground offensive. Biden's pressure on Israel isn't to prevent mass killings and war crimes. Rather, its pressure appears aimed at keeping Israel's bombings and war crimes at a tolerable level to keep the backlash against Israel manageable, tweeted analyst Trita Parsi. Irrespective of whether Mr. Parsi's analysis proves to be accurate, the question remains whether and at what point the United States' cost-benefit analysis reaches a tipping point. The harrowing images from Gaza, mounting international public and political pressure, and so far limited U.S. pressure, would suggest that the point cannot be far off. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed today's column and podcast. The Turbulent World with James M. Dorsey depends on the support of its readers. For the past 12 years, I have maintained free distribution as a way of maximizing impact. I am determined to keep it that way. However, to avoid putting up a paywall, I need the support of a core of voluntary paid subscribers to cover the cost of producing the column and podcast. If you believe that the column and podcast add value to your understanding and that of the broader public, please consider becoming a paid subscriber. 
You can do so by clicking on Substack on the subscription button at www.jamesmdorsey.substack.com and choosing one of the subscription options. Thank you, take care, and best wishes. Thank you.